Yeah, my wife turned off the mic, so y'all know what that means. I ain't got long. How y'all doing? And welcome. We are in probably the next, the, the, I think we got one more uh, person that's going to preach on first world problems. Everybody in here know what first world problems are, right? Well, if you don't, Pastor Joy, she introduced us to first world problems as being problems that's not really relevant, basically. That's what I got out of it, right? Uh, <laughs> Pastor Joshua comes back and he tells us, you know what, there's still a perspective to first world problems that we should be able to overcome personally. And uh, today we are going to learn about purpose, our, the church's purpose in dealing with first world problems. Now, purpose for me is having reason for. There is a reason why this church is right here in this location. There is a reason why you are sitting in that chair that you are sitting in. There is a reason why God got you up this morning to have you at Vision here in South Toledo. And it's not just for dot, dot, dot. There's always a reason when you are one of God's people. And so uh, I, I got a couple of first world examples here, that, uh, first world problem examples here. If Pastor Ben is going to pop that slide up there. <laughs> My laptop is dying, but the charger is in the other room. That's going too far? That's not serious enough, is it? Okay, let's try another. <laughs> I don't have enough dip for my chips. But if I open another container, I won't have enough chips for my dip. Don't you hate that? Especially if you got guacamole, because y'all know that turns brown, right? I don't even know how to. My wife has been making some guacamole here of late, and it is awesome. And if it ain't enough chips for it, I just start using my finger. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> one more, one more, one more. That is so mean. Nah, Pastor Dawn would be like putting her fists out here around your neck. Okay. So here we are. We're dealing with very minor problems. And, you know, today was supposed to start out. I had this really, really cool sermon that I had set up. And it was going to deal with fast food and how we want everything all right now and instantly and everything. And I thought I got to be me, you know. You get to see my personality a little bit. I could be all funny and stuff. And everybody leave up out of here feeling all good about, you know, who they are and everything and where they are with Christ. But then God woke me up. Um, down in the kitchen, I am going through the book of Job. Um, and in that book, it is an amazing book if you uh, haven't read through the Bible in quite some time. Um, there are things, and I've read through Job quite a few times because I'm one of them people that I try to increase my wisdom and my knowledge on who God is more so than what I need from him, if that makes any sense to anybody in here. Anyways, the book of Job is a good book for that. So just to give you some background, because I, I'm going to read two chapters of, out of this book. So it's not, I'm not going to give you a whole lot of words from my mouth. The words that you will hear is coming straight from God's mouth. Amen? Which is the way it's supposed to be, right? And so if you want to look at what our purpose is, uh, our first purpose would probably be to know who God is. Right? I would think that's really important, to know who God is. And if you um, read through the book of Job, if you're reading it like from front to back, and in the very beginning, um, Job was a man who was blessed. He was beyond blessed. He was one of the richest people in the world. He had everything going for him. And uh, the devil was up in heaven, thought he was messing with God by telling God he was messing with his people. And so then God gave him the suggestion that Job would be one for him to mess with because he is upright and he shuns evil. You know, those two reasons was enough. Wouldn't it be amazing if God is up in heaven right now saying, oh yeah, devil, you think you're so bad, go mess with Earl. I would love to. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. 
I ain't gonna lie to y'all. Because what Job had to go through in very rapid successions of time was that he lost everything that he had, which was substantial. He lost his family, which was huge. He lost his friends and the respect of all the peoples, and he was known as a wise man. He lost all of that, and then he had these three friends that came to see him that were supposed to be wise, that were supposed to know him and supposed to know God. And so those three friends sat there with him for seven days and seven nights without saying a word. In other words, you got three preachers, basically four preachers, that are just sitting there for seven days and seven nights. Talk about an act of God. To be able to sit there. Now, the word says that when those three men came up on Job, he looked so bad that they just ripped their clothes, put ashes on their head, and they started weeping. And for those of you who don't know, after Job lost everything, the devil goes back to God and he says to God, well, Job really, really, really dogged you up if you would just go ahead and, and, and uh, make him sick. And so then God told the devil, okay, you can make him sick, but you can't kill him. How many of us go through it sometime? You go through it so bad you wonder if God is on your team or not. Amen? Or am I the only one that had to go through that? Okay? So, anyways, so Job is going through it and he's so sick. He's got sores from head to toe. He is unrecognizable. It looked like he probably got jumped by 190 people. He got blisters. He's got scabbed. He's scratching himself with clay. And his friends look at him and he looks so bad it makes them cry. And they sit there with him for seven days and seven nights. And so for a whole 31 chapters of this book, they're going back and forth and trying to find reason for God to do this to this very wise man. When the answer is in the first chapter, and I ain't going to give you the answer to that. Y'all know how a movie shows you the end part of it and then go back to the beginning of it? I'm kind of going to do that with this reading if that's okay. Amen? And so uh, the first point that I want to make is we got to get to know him. Now I'm going to read these chapters through, and the reason why I'm going to read these chapters through is because I want us to understand how important the Word of God is. Do not listen to what the enemy is trying to put in your mind. Don't let your mind be preoccupied with what you're going to do when you leave here. Just sit there for a minute and allow God's word and only God's word to sink into your heart and into your soul. And I just feel like there is going to be a major move here today for each and every person in attendance. Amen. For those that might be listening later as well. I am going to read Job chapter 32 and verse 1 starts like this. These three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elihu, son of Barkel, the Bizuite, of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute Job, yet had condemned him. Now, Elihu had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So Elihu, son of Barkel the Bezerite, said, I am young in years, and you are old. This, that is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advancing years should teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty, that gives them understanding. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the aged who understand what is right. Therefore, I say, listen to me. I too will tell you what I know. I waited while you spoke. I listened to your reasoning while you were searching for words. I gave you my full attention, but not one of you have proved Job wrong. None of you has answered his arguments. Do not say we have found wisdom. Let God, not a man, refute him. But Job has not marshaled words against me. And I will not answer him with your arguments. They are dismayed and have no more to say. Words fail them. I must wait. Now that they are silent. Now that they stand there with no reply. I too will have my say. I too will tell what I know. For I am full of words, and the spirit within me compels me inside like I am a bottled up wine, like new wineskins ready to burst. I must speak, 
and find relief. I must open my lips and reply. I will show no partiality nor flatter anyone. For if I were skilled at flattery, my maker would soon take me away. Chapter 33. But now, Job, listen to my words. Pay attention to everything I say. I am about to open my mouth. My words are on the tip of my tongue. My words come from an upright heart. My lips sincerely speak what I know. The spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. Answer me then if you can. Stand up and argue your case before me. I am the same as you in God's sight. I too am a piece of clay. No fear of me should alarm you, nor should my hand be heavy on you. But you have said in my hearing, I have heard the very words. I am pure. I have done no wrong. I am clean and free from sin. Yet God has found fault in me. He considers me his enemy. He fastens my feet in shackles. He keeps close watch on all my paths. But I tell you in this, you are not right. For God is greater than any mortal. Why do you complain to him that he responds with, to you with no words? For God does speak. Now one way, now another. Though no one perceives it. In a dream, in a vision of night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may speak. Speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn away from their wrongdoing and keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. Or someone may be chastened on a bed of pain with constant distress in their bones so that their body finds food repulsive and their soul loathes the choicest meal. Their flesh wastes away to nothing and their bones once hitting now stick out. They draw near to the pit and their life to the messengers of death. Yet, if there is an angel at their side, a messenger, one out of a thousand, sent to tell them how to be upright, and he is gracious to that person and says to God, spare them from going down to the pit. I have found ransom for them. Let their flesh be renewed like a child's. Let them be, resort, let them be restored as in the days of their youth. Then that person can pray to God and find favor with him. They will see God's face and shout for joy. He will restore them to full well-being. And they will go to others and say, I have sinned. I have perverted what is right, but I did not get what I deserve. God has delivered me from going down to the pit, and I shall live to great, uh, I shall live to enjoy the light of life. God does all these things to a person twice, even three times, to turn them back from the pit, that the light of life may shine on them. Pay attention, Job. Listen to me. Be silent, and I will speak. If you have nothing to say, answer me. Speak up. Excuse me. If you have anything to say, answer me. Speak up. For I want to vindicate you. But if not, listen to me, be silent, and I will teach you wisdom. everything in me. I just want to hold back just a little bit longer and let this sink in. What is God speaking to your heart right now? Just let it sink in. I can remember when I very first started reading Job. I would read a little bit here and read a little bit there. And I thought Job, Job was my hero for quite some time because, you know, the devil came at him with everything that he could come at him with to try to dissuade, dissuade him away from God. And he held strong and he held fast. And that's kind of 
what I kind of prided myself on was my own strength and my own ability to kind of stick to what it was that I believed in, that I thought. If I thought I was right in anything, wasn't nobody going to change my mind about that. Amen? And so you have three guys that are lay, that are um, there that has been trying to convince him for all this time. Um, all three of the first 32 chapters, all three speakers in this had aroused the anger of the youngest who was basically there expecting to learn from the older. I remember when I very first got saved, the people that I would try to model did stuff that kind of had me questioning what their relationship was with God. Has anybody else in here experienced that? Just kind of turn you off just a little bit. But then... My search wasn't in that person. My search was for who God is. Now, the one cool thing that I got out of all of this, through all of their reasoning, through all of their search for answers, for what it was that Job was going through, all three men always, always, always gave God the glory and everything. All three men said that God always knows what he's doing. It's just the way that we perceive what it is. If if I was to go on and I was... um, willing to read just a little bit more of this and get into the other chapters, this young man would say to Job, he says to Job, he says, you look at God through mortal eyes. God is not a mere mortal. God is not one that thinks the way that we think. God's ways is not our ways. How many times do we say that? But then when God comes at us, the way that God comes at us, oh Lord, what is going on here? The devil is after me. So whenever I felt like the devil was after me, the first thing I would do is say, what am I doing? When Job was sitting there full of those sores, he did not say, God, why? Uh, He didn't say, devil, why? He said, God, why? Why? Because God was always first in his life. They could not find any kind of sin or unjust move that Job made. Job was the kind of man, if you came to him hungry, he fed you. If you didn't have no place to stay, he would build one for you. If your kids was acting out, he would help you whoop them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Job was the kind of man that you want to have in your corner, right? I would love to believe that I am one of the kind of people that you would have in your corner. I would love to believe that I could give you words of wisdom that would just change the direction that you're going in. But I'm not the one to be able to do it. Only God can do that. And it don't matter whether you're young or you're old, whether you're just starting out in this relationship with God. If it is him that you are seeking, if it is him that you are wanting to get to know, then it will be him that will guide your steps, him that will give you your words, him that will make you the person that you need to be to be the light that he needs you to be for his kingdom to advance. How crazy is it that you could sit somewhere most of your life and still totally miss out on the point? These men had lived longer than this young man. See, I listen to young people. Most of what they say is crazy. But some of the stuff that they say, especially the young kids that I hang around with, the youngins that I hang around with, they smart. They know some stuff. I would not have a Bible quiz with my daughter. She would embarrass me. As a matter of fact, when we were, when we were uh, coaching junior Bible quiz, I knew who to have on my team. I was the captain, and everybody else gave the answers. That's the way it worked. But see, in today's society, wondering how this ties into uh, first world problems, in today's society, we are so me-oriented, we know nothing about him. I am so me-oriented. Y'all like the way that I earned my shirt this morning? Let me put this on Facebook. Man, it took me 20 minutes to earn this shirt because I forgot to take it out of the dryer on time. I don't put that part in there, though, right? Man, I am so mad at those doggone Celtics. We expected a series. I did. (laughs) Anyways, I'm mad at them now. Here, let me get that on Facebook. 
see how many likes I get. Right? He started out and he says, if I flatter y'all, man, God is really going to get me. Right? I am one of those encouraging type people. I love to look for the best in people. I wasn't always this way. Right? But I am. I am one of those kind of people. How many people feel encouraged sometimes when they come out of a conversation with me? I love encouraging people. I love making you feel better and have value about yourself. That is what I do. That's, that's just me. That's my personality, right? But in this, today, I don't think I'm going to be very flattering because some of us are dealing with a lot of the issues that uh, Job was dealing with and his conflict as to why God would do what it was he was doing to him. I love the very beginning when he had to go back to his wife after his kids died. And then he got filled up with sores. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? Here's his response. You are talking like a foolish woman. All right? How can we celebrate the goodness of God and not accept the test of God? Naked I came, naked I'll leave this earth. I don't care. Right? Now, if you got cars like mine, if it goes on ahead and die, you're happy. All right, I get a new car. Can't afford it, but I need it. Right? That's the way our society works today. Well, we was in Africa. Well, we've been doing everything we can to hold on to that car, huh? Be riding the rims, literally. Getting those dirt roads on. But I'm worried about my brakes now. Or I'm worried about my oil smelling funny. In the same sense, spiritually, we worry about these real little small things. Oh, Sister Shirley messed up, messed me up today. She didn't even speak to me when I came into church. I don't know what's going on with Brother Earl today. I ain't even get my hug. He must be sick. No, everybody else is. There's something going around here. Y'all scurring me. But that's the way we think. We want to put God in a box. The Almighty, the one who put the sun and the moon and the stars, the one that say, yep, it's daytime. Nope, it's night. Yeah, let's let a hurricane hit over here. I don't believe in Mother Nature. Right? So we're talking about putting him in this little bitty box of our mind. And this is what these guys were doing until this young man comes along and says, listen, y'all, missing it. Now, Another thing that I found throughout all of this is that Job trusted God. Right? He trusted him. And you know what? He had good reason to. Because if you go back to chapter 1, what did the word say? He said, did you mess with my servant Job? Are you going to mess with him? Okay, you can have all his stuff. His stuff don't mean nothing to him. God knew his stuff didn't mean nothing to him before he knew his stuff didn't mean nothing to him. And then when he comes back on the second day, right? And this is what blows my mind. And I never saw this before. And in all the times that I read Job, when the devil came back to him on the second day, he said to God, he said, okay, skin for skin. If you make this man sick, he is surely going to to curse you to your face. He's going to come up here. He's going to climb Jacob's ladder. And he's going to make it through those clouds. And he's going to cuss you out. Right? That's what, that's what the word says. He didn't say it exactly like that. But that's kind of what it says. Right? But he said he will curse you to your face. And then God said, oh, no. No, he won't. Listen. You have already allowed me. To bring curses down on him without cause. Just let that sink in for a minute. You ever been accused of something you didn't do? Huh? And your accusers will give a real good argument. Right? I used to love to go to court as long as I wasn't the one that was in the other seat. Right? You go into court and you hear one side argue. How many of y'all watch those court shows? Right? You hear one side, you hear the other side. You don't already made up your mind from what you heard from the other side before you even hear the other side, right? How many people are still saying that about OJ? OJ didn't do it. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. <laughs> right? Well, 
Job is going through it without cause, and we're looking for a mortal answer to a question that was answered in chapter 1, and I do believe, I mean, excuse me, chapter 2, I do believe it's around verse 6 or 7, when the devil is saying, I'm going back and forth to the earth, messing with your people again. But then God said, yeah, you already made me bring it down on this man, and I ain't had no reason to do it. So what's next? He still did not sin in all that had come down on him. How many of us could honestly say that? Right? I always say, boy, I was working on my car the other day. Last time I was working on my car. Y'all ever had a wrench fall and hit you right in the forehead? Huh? Makes you want to cuss, don't it? <laughs> I wanted to, but I didn't. <laughs> right? I am not going to let the devil win that argument with me. But anyways, it, it almost, it, it brought me so close and it crossed my mind, but it wasn't there. Now, the word of God says that, you know what? In your anger, do not sin. So it's not saying that you can't get mad. But when you get mad, still keep your wits about yourself. Still have your faith in God. Still understand that he is in control of all things. I love it when this young man said, listen, all of you guys have been saying all of this for all of this time. The first thing I did was shut my mouth. How hard is it for us to shut up when we're hearing somebody say something that we know is wrong? But you need to. Because how are you going to come back at them? Most of us, and I don't know how many of y'all in here is like me with this, but man, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to what you're saying, and through the first part of what you say, I hear that part, but somewhere down the line, I lose myself in my own mind looking for my response. I'm the only one in here that does that, for real. It's like, you telling me how jacked up it is that I, that I took this thing apart first before I got to this thing to get to the next step that I need to get it apart the correct way. Nope. I could just muscle this out of the way and loosen this up a little bit more and then loosen this up a little bit more and then put this back in place. And then that's the way my mind works, right? But then somebody that has the knowledge or the wisdom to be able to put this thing together right that has done it time and time and time again is giving me a suggestion and I already got my argument ready to go back back at him. A lot of us go at God with the argument and we're ready to go right back at him but we know nothing about the way that he thinks. We know nothing about the reason why this action went about because we are so busy in our own head coming to our own conclusion about what there is coming. Am I making sense to everybody in here? Because when we get Talk caught up and we get tied up in those things we wonder all right do i really trust the knowledge of this person that's doing what it is that they're doing he's god we got to trust him you know some people if you go to a place it depends on what that place looks like that would attract them right look at the beautiful work that's been done in this sanctuary right there should not be an empty chair in here. If the presence of God is here, if we as his people would show, one, that we know him, right? That's the first thing. Now we get to a point where we got to trust him and his decisions. Because how many people know? The minute you own God and he owns you, here comes the test. I ain't saying God is testing you, but here comes the test. Here comes that person that always talks you into doing stuff that you wasn't supposed to do. Here comes that person that always got that sack when you said you was going to quit. Right? Here comes that person that always, always give you the best excuse in the world. You ain't done this in so long. It's not really going to affect you that much. I guess I'm just preaching to myself, y'all. Right? But we have to be in the right state of mind and heart to understand him. And then we have to learn to trust him. You think he didn't know that Bobby was on his way over with that sack? That you don't got to pay for it now? But when you really, really needed it, where was it at? It wasn't there. But then when you say, all right, God, I trust you. I remember I was sitting right over here and there were pews in here at the time. And I was praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
All my kids were speaking in tongues. They praying at the dinner table in tongues. I'm mad at them. Quit doing all that gibberish in my house. Right? My wife filled with the spirit, and she's just humming around the house. I was sitting right about in that third row in the middle of the pew. And on that day, I said to God, no matter what, I choose you. I trust you with everything, with my relationship with my wife, with my children, with every decision that I make, with everything that happens to me, I'm trusting you. Three days later, cops come knocking on my door, takes my wife to jail. Five days later, after I ran for three days, Pastor Keith trying to finally talk me into turning myself in, I went down and I went to jail. And when I went to jail, there were, I don't know if y'all ever been to jail, but there's those jailhouse lawyers that's telling you how you can get out of stuff or how bad your situation is. So I'm sitting in that, I'm going to say tribal council of jailhouse lawyers that's telling me how much time I'm going to get because they know I'm guilty because even if I'm not guilty of what they got me in there for, I'm guilty of something because I was that kind of person, right? So anyways, I'm sitting down there in the jail and I said, but God, I said, I trust you. Is there a reason why this is happening? And what had happened was we had a couple of warrants that was seven years old that we never thought anything about. They weren't just small warrants. They were, you know, major felony warrants. And, you know, we had got that life behind us. We was moving forward. As a matter of fact, I was doing prison ministry. I went to Stryker and went to quite a few prisons and nobody ever brought this up. You know, they had me downtown on a suspicion of murder a couple of times and they always let me go. Now, all of a sudden I say, God, I trust you. And they come in and they're telling me, well, yeah, we could try you today and lock you up for 25 years. And I'm sitting there, and first thing I want to do is throw up, right? The next thing I remember was the words that came out of my mouth was, God, I trust you, right? Shortly after I got locked up, they released my wife, which was a relief to me. We find a lawyer. The lawyer said, well, I can't represent both of y'all. And I say to the lawyer, I was like, why not? And he said, a conflict of interest. And in that conflict of interest, what if they want to make a deal for one of y'all? I said, well, if there's a deal to be made, then you make the deal for me to do the time. I, I'm just like that, right? I'm the, I'm, I'm the man. I'm responsible for my household. Whatever went on in that household, I'm willing to take it up. He says, well, I guess there's no fl- conflict of interest. Well, long story short, um, we didn't do no time. Why? Because I trusted God. I didn't trust what everybody else was telling me. Job didn't trust what everybody else was telling him. That young man, Elihu, he didn't trust what he was hearing from everybody else. He trusted God. What did he say? He said, I am not going to come at you the same way everybody else came at you. How many of us in the church go at other people the same way everybody else goes at them? Oh, my God, when somebody comes through this church door, I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. I don't care what habit they bring in, as long as they're respectful, right? Don't, don't be, we ain't got no ashtrays in the back. All right? I don't care if you smell like alcohol. I don't care if you smell like wheat. Don't be firing up in my bathroom. People have done it. Right? I really don't care about that. What I care is that you made it in the door. And if you make it in this door, you are not going to leave without a greater understanding of who God is because everything about me is him. Everything about each and every last one of us should be him. And what is he? He is love. First. Don't tell me you're going to pray for me and don't pray for me. I count on you praying for me. All right? How many of us do it? I'm praying for you. Let me hurry up over here to the store and get this chicken. Whew. Here, I still got to take care of my kids. Oh, man, now I got to clean up the house. What about praying for Brother Earl? Trust him first. Know him and trust him. Right? Which leads me right into my very last point, and I'm right on schedule with this. You got to be a light. You got to be a light. You know, it, what are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be the light and the salt. 
right? How many people know anything about the South End over here? Raise your hand. How dark is it over here? It's very dark over here. Yeah, you can say it out loud. Say it so that they can hear you on the radio. Very dark. But this corner right here is lit up. Do you understand what I'm saying? People come here to be rescued. You're here to be rescued. I was here to be rescued. I still continue to need to be rescued. And I can't do, I can't find where I need to go without light. Right? The best thing that enemy can do is to separate you from people that means good to you. And the easiest way for him to do it is through words. This conversation in Job opened a whole new world for me. I highly suggest, if you are working on your relationship with God, that you read this whole chapter or this whole book. Because there are points where, you know, when I was first reading it, you know, those guys make really good points in their description and what they thought of God. But there are people out there that's given a real good argument against God these days. Right? Like, we think it's funny about somebody saying, oh, I can't even charge my iPad because I have to walk to the other room. How many of us didn't change the channel because we couldn't find a remote? That would be me. Ask my son how many times I have to ask him, where my remote at? Right? How many of us would not go to the store because we only got enough gas to make it to the gas station? And don't feel like stopping. How many of us will find something else to do when it's somebody we really don't feel like being bothered with? Oh, man. Cell phones. Man's biggest enemy. They tell on you. Right? You got a green and a red. Hey, I remember seeing this somewhere. Was it the Matrix? Green pill, red pill, right? Well, you got that green little phone that you will answer, and you got the red little phone that you can slide over. And if you know how to use your phone, the name comes up first. Yeah, but the name comes up first. So the phone is ringing. This is Jesus. Red phone, I got to do what I got to do. Phone rings again. This is the Holy Spirit. Red phone. I'm really not feeling that right now. The light that we shine is from a candle. It's from the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's fire. So fire does not survive without oxygen. Oxygen is life. So now not only are you light, but you are life. How can you be life if you are being offensive? You know what made this young man so stinking angry at the others when they were speaking? He got mad at Job because Job kind of started, was on his way to justifying what he was going through by saying, I'm really not supposed to be going through this, which he wasn't wrong in his assumption of that, but that's sending you down that slippery slope between being a little bit too arrogant and prideful, so God just cut that off with this young man right here, I do believe, um, through his, because he said, it's been stirring up in my spirit. I'm about to burst from the words that I have to speak right at this point. How many people know God is an on-time God? He's right on time. Right? I mean, you sitting there, your light's about to go off, and a check comes in the mail that you wasn't expecting. Right? Or you've been sick for so doggone long, you didn't understand what was going to you. You done been to 14 different doctors. You done got 14 different diagnoses. And then you finally run across Granny who says, why don't you just drink this casserole right here and it'll loosen you right up. He's a right on time God. 
I believe this is a right on time message for each and every person that is in attendance today. People, we have to start letting our actions speak a whole lot louder than our words. The word of God, or not the word of God, but statistics say. These have been some statistics that's been out there for quite some time. 10% of the church does 90% of the work. Well, amen, pastor. Yep, you're right, because I ain't did nothing this year. <laughs> nothing. I ain't swept the floor. I ain't waited at a door. I ain't washed the bed. I haven't witnessed to nobody. I haven't. Come on, y'all. It is so much that you can do. Ain't no excuse for it. Well, I can't get around too good, Pastor. I'm so old now. We got phones. We got people that can't get out that a phone call, an encouraging phone call would be able to help. Right? Oh, Pastor, you just don't know what my attitude is right now. Oh, yeah? What is your attitude right now, and why is it that way? If you are God's child first. Well, Pastor, you just don't understand what it's like. You must not know who you're talking to. I have used every excuse that I could find in my mind not to be who I am today. But once convinced that he is the only way, things began to change for me. I'm looking in this room right now at the potential of the change that could be made in the families that are represented here today. And the change don't come with your big mouth running about how good God is. It's the beautiful light that will come from within you from the actions that you show from who God is. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a difference in being somebody that can stand up here for 45 minutes and try to encourage you to be a good person. There's a lot of good people in the world. But to be a difference maker, to be a world changer, to be a holy, uh, a holy ghost field, devil stumping, assembly of God serving, wanting to see a world change, uh, the world change through the actions that I know that my God can do. It has to be a light that burns from within, not the feeble little efforts of putting on an appearance of things being all right. How many people here hate people that chases the Joneses? You got a new car, I got to have a new car. Right? When Pastor Albert got his Harley, I was like, I got to get a Harley. Baby, I need a Harley. Oh, yeah? When you're making what Pastor Albert is making, you can get your Harley. Dang it. He was working like 40 hours, 40 hours, two days right then. Right? And then it was, you know you ain't getting no Harley, right? Pastor Albert, I love that man. One day we were in staff and we were, discussing some things and we were talking about Saul and the difference between him and David and how Saul the kingdom was wrenched from Saul and Pastor Albert made a statement I hope I got it right because I've been living by this ever since he made that statement he says Saul wanted God to massage his sin not to get rid of it that was a life changing statement for me. Lord, I don't want you to massage my sin. Lord, I don't want you to make me feel good about what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm right where he needs me to be right now. No, I'm not either. I shoot. I want to go farther. I want to see uh, people that comes in full of cancer leave tumor free. I want to see people that walks in here limping, come up here and be running around praising God. I want to see somebody that can't see the hand in front of their face look back there and look at the time on the clock. I want to see somebody that comes in here broken, depressed, wanting to kill themselves, leave up out of here with the joy of the Lord in their heart. I want to see people that feel like they have no value and they have nowhere to go and no one that, that cares about them to leave with the love and an understanding of a God who loves them so doggone much that he died for you. 
I want to see all of this happen. And I see this potential in every single person that walked through this door. But it cannot be words that changes you. It has to be you that changes you and your perception of who you are. We have a purpose as a church to be the light. And in order to be that light, in order to be that person that brings about change, we have to know him. We have to trust him. You ever stood around that little bitty fire that be down low and it's warm outside? Very little effect. Throw another log on there, start to feel it a little bit. Throw another log on there, start to feel it a little bit more. Throw a few more logs on there, can't even come close to it. We should be that fire. There's no light that should shine brighter than the light of God in our lives. So today, I just want you to consider where you are with him. I want you to consider who you are in Christ. And then I want you to check yourself. Right? If you got one person in your life that you can trust, just one, that you can trust to be totally and completely honest with you, you ask them, how much of God do you see in me? Not somebody that's going to massage your ego. How much of God do you really see in me? You'd be surprised at the answer that you get. But you know, Brother Earl, there's sometimes you seem to be so holy. And there's other times I could see you getting frustrated and tired. I could see you being weak. I have the honor and the privilege to be up here three nights a week dealing with the lost and serving them a community meal. And I'll tell you what, these last few years have been difficult. It's been difficult because I felt ineffective in what it is that I'm doing and not seeing very much change in the people. And then I got to the book of Job. And I heard every, every word was like music to my ears and saying that he is God first. He is God last and he is God always. And his ways is greater than our ways. He's not immortal that he would have mortal thoughts. And we should not expect to put him in that box. Today I want you to be free. Uh, we're all hurting in here. We all, we, we, we're all flawed. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I'm flawed. Just ask my wife. She knows me better than anybody. I'm flawed. I might be able to dress them up a little bit better than you do here. <laughs> but boy, when this little bit of my hair of mine get let down at home, you see the real Earl. And yes, I'm generally the same, but I know that I'm flawed. As a church body, we are flawed. But I know the heart of this body beats for the lost. I know that the heart of this body wants to be light and sought to this world. I know the heart in, my, in, 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 in the deepest part of my soul that there isn't a person that passed through these doors that don't have the potential to be, to be great in ministry and in loving others. But you have to be willing to make the first step. And the first step is to get to know him. Because out of all of everything else, it starts with who he is. So I'm asking everybody that can to stand up right now. If you're one that's going through it right now, let's just start with the very first part. If you feel like there's a need for you to rededicate your life to Christ, if you feel like there's a need for you to rededicate or to dedicate your life to Christ, um, just come on down. <laughs> if you feel like the world's been beating on, down on you so much and that 
you know, you put that little cup over your light and it start the oxygen is starting to leave and it's starting to dull out. You need to come on up and be refreshed and be renewed and be refilled. If you are one that feels the weight of ministry on your shoulders because it just seems like, you know, you expect more people to be able to do more things. You expect uh, things to run a little bit smoother than they should be running. You feel like doors is being shut that were open at one time. You feel like you don't have the support that you feel like you need from other people that's in authority, then you need to come on down too. Because today is a day for God to just clean house, to get rid of your doubts and your fears about who he is. Today is a day for you to make a commitment to him that you're willing to stick by. I'm not saying you need to pick up a mic and start preaching. I'm not saying that you need to come down to the church every time the door is open, but you really need to start somewhere. So today, just for this day, say to God, I choose you. Just say it to him. Feel good, don't it? God, you are my God. God, you are my king. You are my Lord. God, you let your son die for me. And I wasn't even worth it. God, you are the one that set the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sky. God, you are the one that could see me as the filthy rag that I was. That you, oh God, can be the one that will bring about the change that is necessary for me to be a light to others. You are the one to allow my children and my grandchildren to get to know through the love that you have shown me how great you truly are. That for generations there will be growth. For generations there will be a better a, a better relationship between you and I because of the love that you have shown me. That you need nothing from me. You need no words. You need no action. You need nothing from me. There is nothing that I have to offer you Lord but my heart and my soul and you readily accept it you you readily use it you readily allows me to feel the way that you make me feel how much love could you show how much sacrifice can be made for a sinner such as myself that we owe God through your love that we owe God through our desire to know you more, that we owe God through our desire to trust you more, to grow in you and you in us, that the world would know that you are real and that you still do miracles today. These altars are opened up. And myself and the rest of the staff is willing to spend some time with you If you don't have any confidence in who you are in him at this point, it's okay. If you don't have any confidence in who you are, it's okay. But come on up. Let him heal you. Let him wrap his loving arms around you and give your mind rest. Come on up. If you want to just spend time with him, you could just come and kneel down at the altar and just let him wrap his arms around you and allow him to love you where you've been rejected in this world. Or you could come up here and we will agree with you in prayer and whatever your need would be. This is your time. This is your opportunity to grow in him. Amen. If you don't, we'll ask that you would quietly leave out of the back door. And I'm just going to send you out of here with a blessing. Amen. God, we just thank you and bless you for who you are. We thank you, Lord God, for our other campus, Lord God, and Waterville and the work that you've done there today. We thank you for the work that your spirit has done in this place today. And we pray right now your peace over us and over each and every household that is represented here today. I pray, oh God, that each person, Lord God, that would leave out today into this world and what it has to offer would allow their light to shine and even the strongest win. That, Lord God, through our trials and through, Lord God, the tests, Lord God, that might come our way, through the people, Lord God, that we have, that is within our sphere of influence, your light and your face would shine. That your glory 
glory, Lord God, be revealed, Lord God, in our testimony, that your glory, Lord God, will be revealed, Lord God, in the blessings that you send to our household, that your glory be revealed, Lord God, in our conversation, on our jobs, at the store that we go to, Lord God, that you, oh God, will be with us always. We thank you for these things. We believe that you are God. We believe that you are in control. And we bless you. For only you are worthy. I pray, oh God, that your lovely face will shine upon us until we meet again. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen.